Praise God, we celebrate the empty tomb. This is Resurrection Sunday, and it is a pleasure to come to this point in a series we had entitled, Lead Me to the Cross. I would remind you one last time why that phrase has stuck with me for many years. It is the story that I was told of a young lad in London who lived under the shadow of the steeple of a church with a great cross. But he was lost in the city. He had wandered too far from home. Some gentleman found him and was trying to help him find his way home. And he mentioned different landmarks, but he could not recognize any of them as being close to his home until he mentioned the name of a church. The little boy said, Is that the church with the great steeple with a cross at the top? The man said, yes, it is. The little boy said, lead me to the cross. I can get home from there. I think maybe after the series we've done together, that story means more to me than ever before. The cross is empty, but so is the tomb. The disciples did not understand that the Savior, the Messiah, would have to be crucified, that He would die for our sins. When John the Baptist said, Behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world, somehow they missed the connection between the Passover, the Paschal Lamb, and the Lamb, the Son of God. He had to die but he had to rise again. In order to give us life, he had to be able to not only lay down his life, but to take it up again. Now, we have through the series been in the Gospel of John, and I want to continue there this morning. All the Gospels give a resurrection story, and there are differences because they're told from different points of view by different authors all of them inspired by the Holy Spirit for a perfect revelation and a complete revelation of the resurrection of Christ. Because we began in the Gospel of John and have continued all this time, I want to look at the Gospel of John again and talk with you about the witnesses that are recorded by John the Beloved, the Apostle, the witnesses of the revelation of Christ from John chapter 20. Actually, the total passage I will cover this morning, or try to, is verses 1 through 21. I wanted to begin by reading though those first uh, 10 verses. Early on Sunday morning, by the way, I didn't get very far, did I? Um, you realize that we meet on Sundays rather than on the Sabbath day because it was the day, it was Resurrection Day. It's the Lord's Day. And we celebrate the resurrection by meeting on the first day of the week. Early on Sunday morning, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb and found that the stone had been rolled away from the entrance. She ran and found Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved. She said, They've taken the Lord's body out of the tomb, and we don't know where they have put him. Peter and the other disciples started out for the tomb. They were both running, 
But the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He stooped and looked in and saw the linen wrapping lying there, but he did not, he didn't go in. Then Simon Peter arrived and went inside. He also noticed the linen wrappings lying there, while the cloth that had, been co that had covered Jesus' head was folded up and lying apart from the other wrappings. Then the other disciple who had reached the tomb first also went in, and he saw and believed. For until then they still hadn't understood the Scriptures <clears throat> that said Jesus must rise from the dead. Then they went home. Now, in the other gospel stories, or the, the other gospel accounts, it records that there were three women who went to the tomb. Mary Magdalene, and according to the Gospel of John, was the one who ran and told the disciples, and then, according to following verses, went back behind them, followed them. Uh, Peter and John were running. She didn't run. Uh, she was one of those women who said, I don't run. Now, she ran to meet them, but she followed them back at a distance. But she remained after they went home. By the way, the other two women met Jesus on their way home. And so there, there's an order of events here, and I'm not going to try to answer all your questions about that or lay all of that out. So much as I am, I just want to talk about witnesses of the resurrection of Christ. First of all, I want to talk about the witness of Peter, the apostle. Um, and we read the verses, but let's go back and look again. It says, so Peter went out with the other disciple. Now, the other disciple um, is John, because that's how he refers to himself in his own gospel. He never says, I, he just says, the other disciple or the disciple whom Jesus loved. We'll talk about that in a minute. But Peter went out with the other disciple, and they were going toward the tomb. Both of them were running together. Now listen, guys, this is typical Peter. The, Mary Magdalene comes in, she gives the news. Peter immediately, in haste, jumps up and runs out. And it's like John says, if he's going, I'm going too. And John goes out behind him. But, you know, Peter, this spontaneous uh, eruption of, of Peter doing things in haste, not necessarily thinking but first before he does it. It's funny to me. He just jumps up and runs out, and they run to the tomb. It says, then Simon Peter arrived and went inside. Now, we'll talk about John in a minute. And John, when he arrived, did not immediately go inside. But again, very brash Peter, man, he either... He either did not have good breaks, or he was brash in what he did. He was running so hard, Tracy, he just ran right into the tomb. Now, wouldn't you have been a little bit hesitant to just run into the tomb? But not Peter, man. He, he ran inside, and he saw the evidence. He noticed the linen wrappings lying there. By the way, do you realize that that is a proof that the lie about the body of Jesus having been, having, having been stolen is a lie. 
if they'd stolen the body, Jonathan, they wouldn't have unwrapped it. Why would you unwrap a dead body if you were stealing the body to hide it somewhere else or some sort of scheme? They, they saw the wrappings. The thieves would not have left the wrappings behind. And he mentions that the cloth that had covered Jesus' head was folded up and lying apart from the others. The problem is, none of that made sense to Peter. By the way, that's another part of their story. Um, if, if I were making this up, Eric, I, I would not have admitted that I didn't believe. I would not have admitted doubt. If I were making up this story, I would have made myself the hero of the story, right? And yet every single one of them said that at the beginning they did not understand and they did not believe. Simon Peter still did not believe. He saw the evidence. Luke chapter 24, I apologize for leaving John, I said I wouldn't, but Peter rose and ran to the tomb, stooping and looking in. He saw the linen clothes by themselves, and he went home marveling at what had happened. How is it that Peter, who had spent so much time with Jesus, Roger had heard so many times from Jesus, I will be arrested, I will fall into the hands of evil men, I will die, and I will rise again. But they never got it. And here he's, he's seeing the evidence, and he still doesn't get it. He still does not believe. Uh, John says, wondering uh, in Luke, it says he was marveling. That is, he's tossing it about in his mind. He's ruminating, he's thinking this through, and he's puzzled. Clint, he doesn't have the answer. He has not yet believed. And I want to ask you this morning, have you believed? Do you believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God? You never make it to heaven without that belief, without that faith. Do you believe in the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead? You cannot be saved until you believe in the resurrection. It's not enough to admit that Jesus once lived, that He was a good man, that He was a prophet. You must believe that He died, that He died for you, and you must believe in the resurrection of Jesus Christ or you are lost and separated from God. Have you believed? Now listen, I, I have to cut Peter a little slack because Peter had been through a terrible ordeal. He was ashamed. Charlotte, Jesus told him, you'll deny me three times before the rooster crows. And he said, I never will. But he did. And I have to, I have to realize, I have to think about What's going through his mind? Why is he so doubtful? And I will say to you that personal failure in your life may lead you to doubt everything you've been taught, everything that you've heard, and everything that you've read. But listen to me. Don't let doubt rob you of your faith in God. We are living in a season of propagated fear. The media has turned loose a barrage of images and words that bring fear to our hearts. And if we are not careful, we will be 
dominated by doubt and by fear. I want you to know Jesus is still alive. I want you to know he, raised, he was raised from the dead and He is on His throne beside His heavenly Father in heaven today and He is in charge. None of this caught Him by surprise. Our faith is in Jesus. I believe. I believe. I believe. I've, I've seen the witness of Peter. And I... Look, and I see the witness of John, the Beloved. John, the Beloved. I want you to notice from passages of Scripture that John knew the love of Jesus. Now, I've mentioned this to you before, that Jesus never called him the disciple that he loved because he loved them all. And John is the one who said that he was the disciple that Jesus loved. And I've told you, I stole this from somebody in Australia. I know I did. Uh, but I, I, I've, somewhere I've got a magnet for my refrigerator that says, God loves you. Jesus loves you, but he loves me best. I like that. And that's what John was saying. I'm the one that he loved best. And by the way, he uses that term, the disciple whom Jesus loved, five different times in his gospel. In John 13, 23, 19, 26, in chapter 20, verse 2, later on in chapter 21, verse 7, and chapter 21, verse 20, he said, Jesus loves me, this I know. And he knew the love of Jesus. Friend, listen to me. On this Easter, I want you to understand Jesus loves you. And you can know the love of Jesus if, you, if your faith and your trust is in Him. Not only, this is sort of fun, not only did He know the love of Jesus, but John was fleet of foot. He was a fast runner. He, he's like, like that missionary kid from Chariots of Fire. God made me fast, and when I run, God smiles. And John was fast. He, he says four times, he said, the other disciple outran Peter. That's a quote. That's not me making it up. That's what John wrote in his gospel. The other disciple outran Peter. The other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. You get that? I ran the race. He got a head start. He jumped up and ran out of the room. And I followed him. But I got there first. I outran him. That's twice. The third time. Then Simon Peter came following him. Tim, you think you, you begin to get the point? He left first, but I outran him, and he came along behind me. I was ahead. I started out second, but man, I got ahead of him. And the other disciple, <laughs> the fourth time he says that I got to the tomb first. Now Peter didn't have good breaks and he just ran in. I'm standing there bent over, stooped over, looking in. And he just ran past me and ran in the tomb. But I got there first. I really don't have an application to that. I just think it's fun. 
There's a lot in the Gospel of John that John fills in the blanks of, of things that are not in the other Gospels. And nobody else mentioned that John was a fast runner, so he said it four different times. But he was also, he wasn't just fleet of foot, he was fast to believe. Then the other disciple, who reached the term first, also went in and he saw and believed. What did he see? What spurred his faith? What pushed him over the edge? Larry had not understood to this point. Now, what is it that he sees that causes him to believe? Well, he saw the linen. It's mentioned earlier that he, when he went in, also saw the linen. And it mentions the face cloth, the napkin that had covered the face that was lying to the side. Now, remember that in another place, it mentions John as the disciple who leaned on Jesus' breast at, at supper. He had sat down to supper so many times with Jesus. And when he saw the fold of the napkin, he saw the fold that he had seen so many times. When Jesus would finish a meal, now, I've read some things about customs in this day and what that means. And I'm sorry, but there are very few writings about the customs that are actually from Jesus' day. Most of those biblical customs books are written too long after those things happen to be reliable. But I know this. There is a reason that it's mentioned that the face cloth, the napkin, was laid folded to the side. Why is that in Scripture? It's because John had seen Jesus fold his napkin time and time again, and he saw the hands of Jesus in the folding of the napkin, and he believed. He believed. Listen, when you have an intimate relationship with Jesus. It makes it easier to trust Him and to believe even that which is unbelievable. They had seen Him crucified and they saw Him die. But John had walked with Jesus. He had known the love of Jesus as His Savior, as His Lord, as Messiah. He had been close to him. He knew him well. And when he recognized Jesus died, but he folded that napkin. I know his handiwork. I know how he does things. And I believe. Listen, if you've spent time in the Word of God and you've met the Savior in His Word, you know the sound of His voice. He said, my sheep know my voice. Have you had a relationship with Jesus Christ that you are so close to Him that when He begins to stir your heart, you know who it is. That's Jesus. I know His voice. I hear and I obey because I believe in Him. 
I believe in Jesus, the resurrected Savior. There's not only the witness of Peter and of John, there is also the witness of Mary Magdalene. This is contained in verses 11 through 18. She's mentioned in verse 1 and 2, but the, it, it's what she sees and does is primarily mentioned in this passage. It says, Mary was standing outside the tomb. Now realize, it, we've, already, we've just read that Peter and John have gone home. Mary is standing outside the tomb crying, and as she wept, she stooped and looked in. She saw two white-robed angels. Now, how many of you have ever seen shining angels? I mean, if you did, wouldn't you think something special is about to happen? Wouldn't you believe what they had to say to you if, if angels appeared? One was sitting at the head and the other at the foot of the place where the body of Jesus had been lying. Dear woman, why are you crying? The angels ask her. Uh, that's more than a rhetorical question because they've got a message. She's looking at an empty tomb. The clothes have been thrown aside. The napkin folded neatly and laid aside. And she's crying because she has not yet believed. And their question is a valid one. Why are you crying? Man, you ought to be shouting. Listen, today is a day to rejoice. Today is a day of celebration. Because they've taken away my Lord, she replied, and I don't know where they have put him. She still doesn't get it. She turned to leave and saw one standing there. It was Jesus but she didn't recognize him. He asked the same question, Dear woman, why are you crying? Jesus asked her, Who are you looking for? She thought he was the gardener. She came face to face with Jesus, and she thought he was the gardener. She's looking at an empty tomb. She's listening to the voice of angels. But Jesus shows up. And she doesn't even recognize the Savior. This is Mary Magdalene, out of whom the Bible says seven demons had been cast. You talk about a radically changed life. Jesus made all the difference in her life. By the way, He can make a difference in your life too. You need to know that. But she didn't even recognize Him. I've already said, don't let fear and frustration keep you from recognizing, recognizing Jesus when He steps into your darkest moment. He's there. In all of this that we're facing, Jesus is there. Allow Him to step into your life and recognize His presence when He comes. Sir, she said, if you've taken Him away, tell me where you've put Him. And I'll go get him. Mary, Jesus said. I like that. He called her name. Uh, Aaron's around here somewhere. I love the song that we sing when, uh, about Lazarus. He called my name and I ran out of that grave. Jesus called her name. Have you heard him call you? 
Listen, I, I realize that under the sound of my voice, wherever you may be today, live stream or here, there may be someone who has never trusted Christ. I want you to understand, you can come face to face with the Savior in this moment. And He is calling you, and He's calling you by name. He's asking you to believe, to trust, to recognize Him for who He is. She turned to him and cried out, Rabboni, which is Hebrew for teacher. Don't cling to me, Jesus said, for I have not yet ascended to the Father, but go to my brothers and tell them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. I've highlighted the words go and tell. Listen to me. When you recognize who Jesus is, when you recognize that the Savior died for your sins, was raised again, when you recognize the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ, you need to go and tell someone else. Don't stay quiet. I said that today is a day of celebration. Today is a day more than any other day that we ought to tell people what Easter is all about. It's not about bunnies and eggs. I enjoyed the eggs, Kelly, from yesterday. Our house got egged and the culprits are sitting right over there. And there and there. <laughs> and it was fun. I thought it was I thought it was great. And I got to invite some kids from my neighborhood to come pick up eggs. And they had fun. But the truth is, it's about an empty tomb. And we need to tell, even in the midst of the fun, this is about Jesus. This is about the resurrection. Well, I, I need to move on. I want to talk about the witness of the resurrection of Christ, the witness of His church. Now get this. That Sunday evening, that same day, the disciples were meeting behind locked doors. Now I want you to understand that according to the Gospel of Luke, it's not just the apostles. There are others, other disciples there. It's not just the ten or eleven. By the way, it's, they're, they're now called the eleven instead of the twelve, but there were only ten of them there that night, of, of the apostles, because... Thomas was not there. Judas was obviously not there. Neither was Thomas. But they're called the eleven by name. That was at that point their title. But it was more than just them. The disciples, we're talking about an assembly. We're talking about his church that he started during his own personal ministry. The church had a meeting that evening. They were behind locked doors because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders. Suddenly... Jesus was standing there among them. Now, can you picture that? Can you imagine the resurrected Savior stepped into a church meeting? Hello? He's here. He has promised His presence when we meet together. How many? Well, two or three are gathered together in my name. There I am on a misson, in their midst. Every time you come to church, friend, you need to recognize the presence of Jesus. Too often we look to see who else is there, and we miss the number one person. 
and that is Jesus Christ. Jesus is in the room. Have you acknowledged His presence? Have you recognized that He is here with us? Suddenly Jesus was standing there among them. He said, Peace be with you. As He spoke, He showed them His nail-scarred hands. He came and He gave them peace. They were filled with joy when they saw the Lord. He said again, Peace be with you. The presence of the resurrected Savior brings peace. Recognizing that we don't have to be afraid of death. We don't have to be afraid. He has already paved the way for us and He has promised us to walk through that dark valley with us. And He has promised a resurrection and proved it by His own. And He brings peace. The presence of the Savior brings peace that results in joy. Then He said, As the Father hath sent me, even so, I am sending you. You've been sent. I've been sent. Listen, recognizing the resurrection of the dead, recognizing His command to go and tell, gives us a commission that we need to obey, that we need to follow. You've got friends who are not in church and not celebrating Easter at all today. You have neighbors, you have co-workers who do not know who Jesus is. He said to them, just like the Father sent me, I'm sending you. Will you be a witness of the resurrection of your Savior? You've been sent. Go. Go and tell. Listen, if you believe in Jesus, you believe in His resurrection, you believe He will raise you from the dead at His second coming, you too must go and tell of the peace and the power of the resurrected Savior. If you have not yet believed, may I challenge you, hear the witnesses. These men and women died for their faith. It was not a concocted story. Nobody dies for a lie. They died because they knew it was true. They believed. And they would have you to believe. If you've never trusted Jesus, make this Easter Sunday, this resurrection Lord's Day, the day that you come to Jesus in faith and trust in Him. Let's